Hello friends and welcome to Information by the Pound. And I sure got a pound of information for you today about Hunter S. Thompson. So you better grab your scales, you swine. Alright, welcome. So, Hunter S. Thompson, who is he? We'll get to all that. Uh, but ultimately, he was a role model for me in 2020 when everything started to turn to shit in the world. Uh, I read three of his bodies of work. I watched a couple different documentaries of his. I went to uh, Ralph Steadman's Touring Art Exhibition, which is uh, Hunter's uh, trusted illustrator since 1970. Uh, in my bathroom, I have a framed photo of him. Uh, he's shooting a gun, and that usually keeps me safe when I pee. It also keeps the burglars out. And I even started dressing like the man, so it would be hard for him not to be a role model, uh, especially with quotes like, when the going gets weird, the weird turn pro. Or, I hate to advocate drugs, alcohol, violence, or insanity to anyone, but they've always worked for me. You know, the kind of lessons that should be taught at young young ages, very young ages. So, Hunter Stockton Thompson, born in 1937, died in 2005. He was an American journalist, an author, and the founder of the Gonzo Journalism Movement. And Gonzo journalism is a highly personal style of reporting, which made him a counterculture icon. It's more about style than substance. It's described as experimental when a writer becomes a central figure and even a participant in the events of the narrative, a star of the show generally. He wasn't afraid of sharing his personal beliefs or opinions. Uh, It's very much colored in his work with all his dramatic dialogue and descriptions And this differs greatly from traditional journalism. He embeds himself in his stories, and he wrote subjectively versus objectively. Uh, These these narratives generally had minimal editing, and it pushed the limits of American literacy, or literary journalism, that is, um, into bold new directions. So, his start, how did he get gone? Well... He got in trouble a lot as a kid, and he kind of had a choice to make, and they sent him to, uh, he went into the Army, actually Air Force, and he landed his first professional writing job as a sports editor editor of the uh, Command Courier, and he was lying about his job experience, which is something that I also did by, uh, well, let's just say my resume's beefed up on steroids. Um, I learned it from him. He's a good role model. But uh, he would go on to be a reporter. He, he bounced around a lot. He was a reporter in New York. He was a sports editor in Puerto Rico. He was a writer for the National Observer. And it's kind of funny. He, When he took that job, it was to investigate the reasons uh, for Ernest Hemingway's suicide. So he went to the cabin uh, where it happened at. And while he was there, he stole a pair of elk antlers that were hanging above it. And he took off eventually to San Francisco, and that's where he really got his uh, his real start. So his first body of work that was uh, nationally recognized, uh, biggest thing that he's done at that point, uh, was the work on Hell's Angels. So it was him uh, living and riding with the Hell's Angels Motorcycle Club, and he wrote a first-hand account of the lives and experiences of them. So he discusses their origins and their background and their general social significance and their unlikely rise to national fame uh, through media exposure uh, following several violent crimes. Uh, especially uh, especially there at the time, there was a case that involved 
a rape of two underage girls. It ultimately got dismissed, but it was getting national attention. People were starting to get a little uh, weary of this gang. And at the time, they were roughly 100, 200 people. It wasn't a large territory by any means, but the Hells Angels specifically was that group, or was that size, rather. Uh, so, you know, Hunter then details a motorcycle run to a particular destination. He, he spends more time with them. Uh, he ends up buying a motorcycle and spends many hours in accompanying them on all their road trips. And within a few months, he became an accepted fixture in that community. And near the end of the book on him that he kind of muses on their nature and essential character as people who are these outlaws, outcasts, you know, insert you know, whatever fringe uh, word you want here. Uh, it's definitely a good read, especially if you don't know the start of the motorcycle gangs that really started, began emerging post-World War II. And so the proceeds of this book, uh, the book sellings, he was able to get a nice piece of land in Woody Creek, Colorado, which is where also he would uh, run for sheriff. And that would have been, so 67 is when the book came out. And it wasn't until 1971 that he received an assignment from Sports Illustrated to cover the Mint 400 motorcycle race. And that was in the Nevada desert. And he did travel there in March to witness the event. And it was this trip, though, where it took another direction and out came fear and loathing in Las Vegas. Uh, essentially, the plot of the book is uh, he gets called out to observe and report the race. But uh, his alter ego in the book, Raul Duke, and his lawyer, Dr. Gonzo, which is Thompson's friend, Oscar Ocasta, they were traveling around Las Vegas in search of the American dream while heavily drugged out of their minds and ruminating of the failure of the 1960s counterculture movement. This being the most popular book of his. Right when he died, they were selling like 60 to 70,000 copies a month. Uh, it was really big. In 2005, that is when he died. Uh, and then if you read the book, definitely read the book. If you haven't seen the movie and you haven't read the book, definitely start with the book. It's way more unsettling. Uh, it, it's it's creepy to uh, – it's just a creepy book to read. It's fun. It's exciting. But there are like certain scenes when they're hallucinating that you're just – you just never want to have happen to you, you know? Hashtag stay away from Salvia. All right. So, yeah, it's just one things kind of start the uh, the start of the end starts happening for him. And in 1974, he was sent to cover the famous Rumble in the Jungle boxing match, uh, boxing match between George Foreman and Muhammad Ali. He uh, Thompson skipped a fight. He spent his time floating in the hotel pool, and he did toss a pound and a half of marijuana inside the pool. Uh, the article never materialized, and yeah, like I said, this was the beginning of uh, the end for him. And the, for the remainder of his life, uh, you know, Hunter S. Thompson continued to write, uh, though much of his published work would be from his earlier, more productive periods, you know, mid to um, late 60s, or well, early 70s, I should say. And from 1979... To 1994, Random House released four volumes of his collected writing under the series titled The Gonzo Papers. There's a lot of like work with Stedman on this, um, this caricature of Hunter S. Thompson. He was getting wildly famous, and there was these comic strips, and it really started getting to him. And you know, he couldn't really go do the events he liked to do before. We're getting in, doing the gonzo journalism, getting into the event, um, 
you know, being, being writing from the, f- the first person point of view. So most of the money he made was, it was from his earlier works, um, getting critical acclaim. And, you know, we talk about the end, um, he did end up, uh, he did end up taking his life in 2005 with, by a gunshot wound. Uh, there was a series of things that was going on. There was the pain of uh, hip replacement surgery. There was back surgery. There was a lung infection. He had a broken leg. But ultimately, it, it was the years of drug use that had him just chronically depressed over the years and just being generally disillusioned by the world around him. And at his funeral, this is wild. So Johnny Depp helped pay $3 million for the funeral. And this is how it went down. So Hunter's ashes were fired from a cannon that was placed atop a 153-foot tower shaped like a double-thumbed fist clutching a peyote button. All right, so stuff we should be telling kids, you know, this is how we should be dying when we get older. It's, it's what Hunter would want to do, you know? It's gonzo, baby. Um, Spirit in the Sky and Mr. Tambourine Man played along while his ashes were shot out into the sky. Notable guests would be John Kerry, Jack Nicholson, John Cusack, Bill Murray, Benicio Del Toro, Sean Penn, Josh Hartnett, Ralph Steadman, and of course Johnny Depp. They remained friends from 98 to 2005. Uh, Johnny Depp would also get into another movie called The Rum Diary, which was a book that uh, when, when Hunter S. Thompson in 1960 went to go to Puerto Rico to uh, do some journalism down there. He wrote a rough draft of it, but they uh, they ended up declining publishing it until 1998, and then the movie came out shortly after. So he sat on that. That was about 38 years, roughly, of it not being out in the out in the world. But it's a fun uh, it's a fun book. It's a lot of drinking, a lot of fun. You know? Did I say fun? I'll say it again. It's fucking fun. All right. One thing I definitely would recommend was uh, reading the How to Find Your Purpose in Life. It's a letter he wrote to a friend. You know, my take on it is it's a little existentialist in a way. I know he wouldn't subscribe to that, but he gets into like the real purpose of life isn't to force a purpose and um, don't let that guide you under all conditions. It's better to continuously redefine what it means to be better, you know, be better tomorrow than you are today. Don't commit yourself to something that may or may not turn out to be a good choice. The focus should be on proving and defining yourself. The goal is always secondary. Seeking a way of life rather than just the goal and redefining and creating yourself along the way. There is an element there that could be considered a little existentialist and, you know, what he had to do to get out of... uh, well, he had to make his own way to get out, but he also made his own way to get in, and there's not many other people like him. So, uh, you know, a role model for me, maybe, perhaps, a little bit. And check out all of his work if you can, but if you don't, that's fine. Check out at least the letter he wrote to his friend, uh, and then uh, Fear and Loathing would be a good one, and then Hell's Angels, like I mentioned, all good. I'll leave you this one quote from him. He's talking about the edge. So he says, quote, The edge, there is no honest way to explain it, because the only people who really know where it is are the ones who've gone over. Pretty interesting shit. All right, you fucking swines. Enjoyed. Uh, And, you know, if you ever need to reach out to me 
and uh, you know, ever want to say give me advice or give me any suggestions or just general diatribes, that's fine. I can handle a diatribe. That's informationbythepound at gmail.com. All right. Bye-bye. Love you.